Let's begin by honoring the landmark family that was most comfortable worshiping. You keep sending me pictures. I appreciate it. Look at here. We've got Michael Jordan holding hands with his wife, Leanne, with his dog, Rebel, down there at his feet. It's always wonderful when families worship together. So thank you for that picture. I want to wish you a very happy Easter. Love what we're doing today, but I also want to make a promise to you that on the first time we're back together, hopefully that first Sunday in May or even if it's October, we're going to celebrate Easter all over again. I'm going to wear my blue pants. I can normally only wear once a year. We're going to flower the cross, and it's going to be incredible. So happy Easter you today. And what I want to say as we begin is that we all need hope. I love the story about the four ladies sitting in the nursing home. They're playing cards together. There's a new man who walks in the room. One of the ladies says to him, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I'm moving in here. And the other lady says, well, where did you come from? He said, well, I just got out of prison. The third lady said, well, why were you in prison? He said, well, I murdered my wife. The fourth lady looked up and said, okay, so you're single. That gave her a little bit of hope. And we all need hope. I love my friend Courtney Horton. Uh, Her and her husband Josh came here from Nebraska. She said she finally knew she was in Alabama. When Governor Ivey gave her uh, newscast the other day in which she said if we would really behave the next few weeks, we might could have football season in the fall. And then in the next second, she quoted a Bible verse. That's Alabama. Governor Ivey knew we needed hope. Last Sunday, we closed out talking about that story, those orphan children in Germany holding on to that bread, not because they could eat it, but so that they would have hope there would be food in the morning. We're a people who need hope. And that's what Easter weekend is all about. It's all about hope. It's good news. Listen to when Paul outlines this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you've received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. That's the Easter story. Paul says this is good news. Let's outline it again. It starts on Friday. We have the death of Jesus. And then we go, Paul says, to the second part, which is the burial on Saturday. He's in the tomb on Saturday. And then thank goodness for Resurrection Sunday. You say, okay, what's so good about especially Saturday there, because we tend to skip Saturday. Uh, Friday and Sunday get all the press. But I think there's good news, especially today, on all three days of Easter weekend. So let's look at it a little bit different. What happens on Friday? Jesus takes care of our past. What happens on Sunday? Jesus takes care of our future. And then what happens on Saturday? Jesus takes care of our present. You say, um, why the mute symbol up there? Well, number one, a lot of us need to learn this in this new age. Um, 
You know, you get on one of those Zoom casts and everybody has got their mic live. Last Sunday I was watching Ron Cantrell and Stephen Frisbee um, teach their Sunday school class. I had my mic on and uh, I was cooking my famous waffles. Not till Al Crosby texted me and said, Bell, cut off your mic. Did I do it? But the major reason I have this up here is because Saturday is a time where things go silent. On Friday, the Bible says that he who had no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On Sunday, we know that Jesus is the first of many resurrections. But on Saturday, we actually hear nothing but silence. Things go quiet. It's the day where we don't hear much. So let me say this to you this morning. We are living in silent Saturday. It's the day between the struggle and the solution. It's the day between the question and the answer. It's the day between the asked prayer and the answered prayer. And it's a hard place to live because it looks like nothing's going on. In fact, there's a tradition in many churches that on the Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, they take the communion emblems, the sacraments, and they hide them somewhere in the building to display that it doesn't look like anything good is going on on that Saturday. In fact, if you read your Gospels, there's only one verse that even mentions Saturday. Luke 23, 54. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. In fact, some people call Saturday, Sabbath Saturday. And so it looks like nothing's going on. It looks, it feels, it sounds like defeat. Think about the cast of characters. There's Peter over there, weeping, his eyes out. Because not only is Jesus gone, but he denied him. To Peter, it's all over. There's Caiaphas, the high priest, who for three years has had to deal with this heretic Jesus, who now thinks it's all over. It's Pilate, who still feels guilty about what he did and continues to wash his hands over and over. And it doesn't seem like it's over for him because he can't get the guilt off his hands. And there's Judas, who's hanging from a tree outside of Jerusalem because he decided it was all over. And then there's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who's been on this roller coaster ride, who now is so confused that this could happen, but she remembers what that old man said to her back when Jesus was born. This child is destined to fall and rise and the falling and rising of many in Israel. He will cause you, Mary, great pain. It will be like a sword piercing through your soul before it's all over. And she feels that sword. It looks like defeat. Because until this point in history, dead is dead. But there's actually a lot going on. Behind the scenes... Jesus has escorted that thief to paradise. Behind the scenes, God the Father has now turned his face back toward his son. 
And in heaven, the angels that had to be held back during the crucifixion of Jesus are now on their tiptoes looking to what's going to happen next. And then there's this really amazing passage about what actually did happen on that day over in 1 Peter. And I'm not telling you that, that I've got all the answers to what this means, but I love this passage. Listen to what Peter said about what Jesus was doing. He says, For Christ also suffered once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but listen, but being made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, when the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now that's, that's a difficult verse, a couple of few verses to interpret. And, and you can go many different ways, but I'll tell you the best I can make sense of this. What is he saying here? Jesus is dead. His body is dead, but his spirit is alive. It, it's just like when, when we die, Death is the separation of the body and the spirit. So Jesus' spirit is alive. And it says that in this Saturday, Jesus goes to these spirits in prison. What would that be? It would be demons. It would be the demons that went way back in history, all the way back to the time of Noah. You say, was Jesus coming to preach salvation to these demons? No, God doesn't save demons. God saves people. Well, then why does he go to the spirits in prison? He's proclaiming victory. You, you see, it's the devil and it's the demons that have tried to stop his purposes on every point, who thought they had won on Good Friday. But Jesus goes to tell them on Saturday that he has been completely victorious. He announces his victory. You say, okay, buddy, why is Saturday such a big deal? It's because it's where you and I live. It's where we live every day. We've all been there when your job is in jeopardy, when your marriage is on the rocks, when your children are living in rebellion, when your lack of children has led you to depression, when your finances seem to be beyond repair, when your addiction doesn't seem like it can be beaten, and you feel like that God is silent, and he is allowing fear and anxiety to speak louder. We all have lived there, and we're all especially there right now in this coronavirus pandemic that there's so much unknown, there's so much uncertainty. We can't announce today a day we know we'll be back in church together. We don't know how long this will last. We don't know the repercussions. The fluctuation of predicted deaths goes up and down daily. We live in a moment right now where we're begging God to stop this, and at least it appears that our prayers are not being answered. It's a tough time. And we all try to act strong, and we all try to act brave. But in the face of this, 
we know things are not quite right. I, I love this video I, I'd like to show you that my daughter Lindsay sent me from a lady who is trying to communicate subtly, not really subtly, how she feels. Well, I really love that because I think it encapsulates how many of us feel. We've got, we've got mixed emotions, and it is difficult to live in silent Saturday. But here's what I want you to, to learn with me today, is how we can listen to God on silent Saturday. You see, what I believe is that God speaks the loudest in silence. That's what the psalmist says, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. And there's some things I hope that you can hear in the silence today that I am confident from Scripture that God is speaking. Number one, I think God is saying clearly, can I get your attention? God has always taken people out of the noise, out of the bustle to work on their hearts. He took Moses to a desert for years. He puts Elijah all alone in a cave. He takes Peter, James, and John on a mountain so they can hear the voice of God. You see, God is trying right now to get our attention. I put a Facebook post out this week about how is God transforming you in the middle of this? A former member who moved away a few years ago, Lisa Salzman, wrote this. In these times, I believe we're being stripped of so many things we have wrapped around us. Our self-importance, our social circles, our possessions, our titles cannot help us survive this. Only God, the one that remains, and he is still meeting me on the porch in the mornings when I sip my coffee, and I remember that he's brought me through some strange times before, and he will be with me through this one. And that brings me to point number two, what he's saying to you today. Please listen. I am with you. The promise of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, is that God will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Do not mistake his silence for his absence. In fact, a young man that grew up in this church wrote on my Facebook page, Christian Dapperts, love that kid. Not a kid anymore, he's a great young man. But he was talking about how when he entered this, he had such skepticism. And then he writes this, things like Christian community, a message in the word and worship, used to be served to me on a platter. And now I'm having to create that time on my own. Listen to his perspective. So it has really been a blessing despite it seeming like an obstacle initially. What's he saying? God is with me. I don't have to go to a church building to experience the presence of God. And I know many of us are experiencing that. Third statement, I hope you'll hear in the silence is, I will go before you. You see, the passage I just quoted from Hebrews 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is actually a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 31. You say, well, what was going on there? Well, in Deuteronomy 31, they're about to enter the promised land. God is not going to allow Moses to enter the promised land. They're, he's turning the reins over to an unproven successor, Joshua, and everybody is, is insecure and nervous about what's going to happen when Moses is gone, who led them so many years. 
And so when God says there, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he also promises the people of Israel, I will go before, before you. I'm not just going to stay here with you. I'm going to prepare the path for you. Listen to me. God knows what's going on. God knows his plans. God knows the future. Rest assured, everything's on schedule. And what he is doing is he is preparing us for the future. I hear a lot of people say that nice phrase, this too shall pass. But I think God would say even more than that. Not only will this pass, but something better is on the way. That's just what God does. And then number four, I hope you hear God saying to you in this silence, I can change you. We looked at Romans 8, 29 last Sunday where those trials were meant to form us into the image of Jesus. I think these moments do this in two ways, one negative and one positive. Negative, they they expose our idols. We're all finding out some things that are way too important to us that we could actually live without. But they also magnify the things that are important, like our relationship with God. They make us miss the fellowship of believers. You see, often a a very wise man said to me years ago in the middle of a church issue, a lot of times people don't appreciate what they have until it's taken away from them. I think we all feel that. You see, God can change you in the middle of this. In fact, I've heard so many stories this week about this, but the one I wanted to share with you is from a young lady named Hope Gregory. Please watch this. Church, I'm so thrilled that even in the middle of this crisis, we get to share a lot of good stories about what God's doing. And I want you to hear one that's just encouraged me so much. This is Hope Gregor. She came here as Hope Sheehy, and um, she's been married for about 10 months. Actually, her husband, David, is singing on the, the worship team today. And so, Hope, thank you so much for spending a little time with us today. Of course. Well, about two months ago, uh, Hope posted this on Facebook, and she told her story of coming to Christ and how God had worked in her life, bringing her to Faulkner. She even said some good things about Landmark and even about her husband, David. And and she talks about how she was on an all-time high. And then she writes this that I thought was so honest that sets up what we're going to talk about today. She says, what no one tells you when you become a, a Christian is that the high fades and you will plummet to lows you never knew that were possible. Satan will attack you and beat you and strike you at the worst possible times because he knows it will hurt you in your relationship with Jesus. No one tells you that you'll feel numb inside and not even care for Jesus at all during certain points. And that's where I am right now. I'm being completely honest when I say I have no will right now to live for Christ. There's a numbness in my soul that I cannot explain. I'm at war within myself because I know I should go to church because that's where I'll find support and remedy. But I don't want to at all. But I want to believe that God is using this season for something. I want to believe that my heart and my flesh are failing me completely right now 
and that my God is going to rescue me. I really truly want to believe. I know without a doubt that God is real and that Jesus died for me. Please pray that I stick to him and that he will ignite that fire again. You know, that's, that's two months ago. So here's the great thing. We are in the middle of an answer prayer. So even in the middle of this crisis, we call it with the coronavirus and quarantine and all that, God has reignited that fire. Tell me, Hope, how that's happened. So uh, I started working from home um, about a month ago, um, and I don't have a lot to do, which is great and not great, but I felt God uh, just urged me one day to just sit down and read the Bible, and that's something I hadn't felt in a while. So I opened my Bible, read Joshua 1, and as soon as I had read verse 9, which states that God is with you no matter what, I got a phone call from a lady from church, Miss Donna. She called saying, hey, is there anything that you need me to pray for you? Because, you know, you've been on my heart and I'm going around. So I said, yeah, pray that you, my fire for God ignites again, please. So that happened. And that was just a small reminder from God, like right then and there, that he is with me, even when I don't feel him or see him. And then, so since then, I've just been consistently reading my Bible, like reading more, praying a lot more. And I just haven't felt this on fire for God in, like, since I became a Christian. I've joined uh, LCM's uh, Bible studies that they have on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I even signed up to do the ladies' Bible study on Philippians that we're starting tonight. And I'm even facilitating one of the groups, which is just insane. Because even like a month ago, I was still so distant from God. And it's just, it's great because I'm consistently reading my Bible. I can see how God is working in my life and how He's answering my prayers. And it's just it's amazing. Well, to, to quote you, uh, that is insanely beautiful. I love that story. And what a contrast between where you are and where you are now, where you were and where you are now. Let me ask you one more question, Hope, while I've got you. Um, what would you say to someone who's watching this Sunday morning, who's struggling through all that's going on right now? What words of hope would you give them? I'd tell them, don't... Don't stress too much about it. Like, yes, right now is scary. Right now is a rough time for a lot of people. But our God is so much greater and so much stronger than all of this. And He's going to use this time to just bless us all again, to bring us all back to Him. And the lows that we feel right now are just that. It's a low. But just think, it's going to go right back to that high again. So just, just keep holding on and keep believing. Well, thank you, Hope, for speaking truth to us and, and actually completely fits your name. You've, you've spoken a lot of hope to us today. And there's really nothing more powerful than someone's testimony. You know, we see that in Scripture, and I think we see that in our church all the time. And, and testimony always involves a low and a high and, uh, you know, this resurrection power that we're talking about today on Easter. So thank you so much, Hope. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. Uh, thank you, Hope, for sharing that. Um, sorry I, I said your last name wrong at the beginning. But we love those stories because it makes us believe that we can change. God's doing some mighty works in the middle of this. And then the fifth thing, and this is our advantage from the early disciples that I hope you can hear, is God saying the tomb is empty. You see, our advantage over them on Silent Saturday is we know the end of the story. And when you believe in Resurrection Sunday, it changes everything about everything. 
Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 1 verse 4. And Jesus Christ our Lord was shown to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead by the means of the Holy Spirit. You see, the resurrection was the seal of approval on Jesus, that he absolutely was who he claimed to be. That there was this historical figure that not only lived, not only died on that cross, not only was in that tomb, but resurrected. You see, that's what makes Christianity so very unique. It's the only religion in the world that says, okay, we're going to base our claim to your life on a historical event that we believe happened, and you can actually study it. So, when we understand Resurrection Sunday, it redefines the whole weekend. Silent Saturday is redefined. Let's look at it one more time. First of all, we've got Friday. What happens on Friday? Your past is taken care of. You know, a lot of times in this moments right now, and you, if you're not careful, you've got too much to think about. Satan's going to bring back to you your past mistakes. He's the great accuser. And yet, as you are in silent Saturday today, if you'll look back on Good Friday, you will remember that every bad thing you've ever done is forgiven and gone, and God does not even remember it. And then... Our Sunday is secure, our future secure because of Resurrection Sunday. Here I am in this, this moment of doubt and not knowing what's going to happen, and yet because I know about what Jesus did on that day, I know in the long run what's going to happen. And so it, it changes things. Now, when you change your view of your past and you change your view of your future, it changes your view of your present. You see, I don't have to live in guilt during this time for the mistakes I made in the past. I don't have to live in anxiety about what may happen in the future. I can actually live in great hope on Silent Saturday. When you understand Resurrection Sunday and Good Friday, Silent Saturday actually is not a bad place to live. Because it's where God does his best work. Now, you understand this. And we've used this illustration, but it's such a good one. You know, let's, let's say football does come back this fall, and, and, and your favorite team's playing, and it's a really close game, and you're on the edge of your couch the whole game, and you're nervous, you're screaming, you're mad, and you're rejoicing and celebrating. But it would be so different if you had DVR'd the game. And, you know, someone made a mistake and told you your team won. How differently would you watch the game? Quite differently. You, you wouldn't scream. You wouldn't yell. You wouldn't be so anxious because you know the score. And so you can watch it in peace and calmness. And guys, while we live in this Saturday, we know the score so we can live so much better. Listen to me. I want to sum this up. We are a silent, we are a Sunday people living in silent Saturday. We're Sunday people living in silent Saturday. My apologies to the famous line, it's Friday 
Sunday's coming. I'd like to give a different spin. We live in Saturday, and the shelves of the grocery stores are empty, but we are a Sunday people full of faith. It's Saturday, but Sundays are coming. We, we live in this Saturday, quarantined alone in our homes, but because we are a Sunday people, we know that God will never leave us alone. It is Saturday, but Sundays are coming. On this Saturday, our lives are completely disrupted. Yet we are a Sunday people that know that God's plans have not been disrupted. In fact, he's using this to fulfill them. It is Saturday, but Sundays are coming. This Saturday feels like our future is so uncertain. Yet because of an empty tomb on Sunday, we know our future security. It is Saturday, but Sundays are coming. Everything is falling silent on the Saturday, except God, whose voice is louder than ever on Resurrection Sunday. It is Saturday, but Sundays are coming. Living in Saturday tempts us to be confused and uncertain, but we know about Sunday, and our lives are full of hope. It is Saturday, but Sundays are coming. We live in Saturday, but our resurrected Savior has gone before us to prepare our Sunday dinner. It is Saturday, but Sundays are coming. Right now, we live in Saturday, but we are a Sunday people. It is Saturday, oh yes, but Sundays are coming. I hope you believe that. I'm not saying that's easy. In fact, right now, I want to stop and give you an opportunity for prayer request. And you can see on the screen, you know, our website you can go to or, or a number where you could text your prayer request. Here's what I want to say. If you're struggling through Saturday, which most of us do, and you needed this message of hope, but you also need the prayers of God's people, we got so many prayer requests last Sunday. Please send them today. We will pray about them through our, our staff and elders. You can be sure of that. So please let us know. Because I'm not trying to claim that Silent Saturday is easy. We know it's not. But if we believe what we believe about Friday and about Sunday, it's profoundly different. This was beautifully summed up in the funeral of Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was that great British leader who led Britain through World War II. When he was young, he didn't think he'd live very long, and he thought he would be quite forgettable. And yet we know he, he may be the most unforgettable character of the 20th century. He lived a long life. He actually lived in his 90s. And he was able to plan his own funeral. So he picked out the people that would speak. He picked out the great hymns. He picked out the liturgy and the scriptures that would be read. But this is what he planned for the end. And here we go back to the good news of Easter weekend. He planned at the beginning of his ceremony that they would play taps. Gone the day. All is done. And then there would be a lull. And then they would play Reveille. 
It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's morning. What a beautiful, beautiful sight of what we're talking about today. Oh, there's a lull, and we're there right now. But there's a revelry coming, and we live in anticipation of that, which changes the way we live today. So, we come to a point in our service right now where we um, spend the most time remembering this. It's our time of communion, and it's not hidden. Hopefully, it's right there with you. And, And what I want you to do is you take of communion. Understand that it's not just a remembrance of what Jesus did. It's an anticipation of what Jesus will do. It's a proclamation of his coming. That not only was he resurrected, but we will be resurrected. And that's why this day is so important. Because it's not just about Jesus, it's about us. And so as you partake of communion today, I would like you to to just scan back through that glorious weekend. A weekend that's full of hope. Not just on Friday, not just on Sunday, but right now while we live in Saturday. I'm going to show you after I pray, we're going to show you just a a short video that will march you through that weekend that I think will help you in your meditation as we prepare to praise God this Resurrection Sunday for everything he's done. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much. God, that we can celebrate today, maybe in a very unique way, but it doesn't change the truth of what happened that weekend on Friday and on Sunday and how it it impacted what happened on Saturday and impacts us today. That as we remember that weekend, we are not full of anxiety or despair or hopelessness. But we are full of hope because we know our Sundays are coming. So, Father, help us to remember that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Help us to remember that he's coming back. And help us to remember that he is here right now with us in this moment. We pray in the one who gave his life for us who preached to the spirits in prison, and who resurrected from the dead. Jesus Christ, amen.